This podcast was originally the audio for a work of the same name for the Nearly On Red YouTube channel, found at youtube.com slash c slash nearly on red. Though not intended to be a standalone podcast, viewers frequently consume my videos for their audio content only, so I have duplicated my work in this format to hopefully save people a step. A full list of content and platforms can be found at nearlyonred.com or the short link nearly.red, N-E-A-R-L-Y dot R-E-D. Enjoy! Welcome to the Not Quite Daily Show, Summer 2018, Episode 20. In what will be our final episode of the season, we are looking at the last three episodes of Hanebado. This final arc has centered around the final showdown between Ayano and Nagisa, a rematch almost a year in the making. But that journey was not just one about badminton, maybe not even mostly about badminton, and so this final match itself creates a parallel to the journey each participant has undertaken. Today's video will chart these parallels, including the important moments after the match. The final lines of our series spell out the conflict that we already had been focusing on, which is the internal mental battle that the girls face. What you see on the other side of the net is a reflection of yourself. We've actually come full circle on our videos now, as the very first one I made talked about how the mental burden of a solitary sport like badminton makes the experience quite distinct from team sports. In this way, it mirrors the internal, personal battle that the girls face with their own insecurities and mental health issues. That is the real source of dramatic tension in the work, just as it is the real battleground inside the various matches that we have seen throughout. When the coach is commenting about how much stronger Nagisa has gotten recently, he clarifies to mean not so much her game, but her mental state. This is echoed by her, and the first real foreshadowing that she is going to win the match when she tells Rico that she is going to win, she is going to defeat herself. And Rico confirms that Nagisa is no longer the person she was back then. Thus, it is appropriate that the opening moments of the finale feature the same match that opened the whole series. Each of them must overcome the person they were in that moment, and their journeys toward that end have been different. So I want to look at how this finals match mirrors the character trajectory for both of these characters during this year's Badminton Club. I don't mean how well they were playing either, uh, but the state of their inner selves, how much peace or turmoil they are enduring or fighting through. It's fantastic that we get constant peaks inside their mental process during this match, alongside the crowd commentary, um, especially from Kaoruko. These dialogues help us understand how mental the fight really is. It's perhaps counterintuitive that a physical contest should rely so much on the unseen mental struggle, but this tracks with most people's actual lives, where each of our own hidden internal struggles largely govern how well the rest of our existence proceeds. And so, let's look at the highs and lows throughout this match and how they become linked to Nagisa and Ayano's own stories and then how especially important it is to see what comes afterwards. So we will go through all three of these sets, and we will talk about Nagisa first in each set. To open our match, we see Nagisa playing differently, playing sneaky badminton, as Ayano says. This is just how we found her at series beginning, 
having become a tyrant to her club out of her own feeling of inadequacy. Perhaps there were gains to her physical game from these efforts, and she does start off leading this first set. But her behavior in our early episodes was murder on her mental health, and made even worse when she isolates some of her comrades. She's trying something different, she's doing it to overcome, but just as surely as she loses the first set, it does not ultimately work for her. She learns from it though, setting herself up for future success. Now we can think of Ayano's story as beginning from the point that she decides to play badminton again. It's not without missteps. She loses the first two points of the set to Nagisa, just as she has a couple of setbacks early on in our series. She was reminded of her mother leaving during the scrimmage with Nagisa in episode two, and gets a full blast of that trauma in episode three when Karuko shows up to challenge her. From there, however, the trajectory is upward, at least for a time. The high point is probably the feeling of inclusion she feels when they are on the way to the practice matches with the Frey girls. Things are going well for her after a rocky start, just as she takes the first set despite starting in the hole. But this victory and upward track is a tenuous thing. She is still uncertain about grasping it, and still will default to isolating herself when push comes to shove. She does this in match by pushing Yu and Sora away even after winning the set. In series, this tracks to when she loses to Connie in that weird doubles match and runs away to be alone. By no coincidence, it was Yu and Sora who found her then too. They'll have another key role to play later on. Moving into the second set, Nagisa's determination eventually has results. Life threw some surprises at her in the series, just as Ayano is throwing the curving cut smash and the odd backstep maneuver at her in the match. The turning point for Nagisa earlier in our series was when she received validation for her struggle. The first validation comes from the very club members that she drove away, who are not envious of her talent, but of her love for the sport. The second then comes from her coach, who was uniquely positioned to know it was her hard work and not innate qualities that enable her success. She was down a set, metaphorically, but there was still a lot more time to play. From that point onward, just as in the match, things largely are on an upward track for Nagisa. She makes peace with the team and apologizes for her ways. She stops trying to brute force her game and her mental state. I think this change in perspective matches up with her thought process where she thinks that she won't be surprised by any move that Ayano brings at her, that she was never under the delusion that she could overwhelm her. Just as in her own mental health, she has adopted a more sophisticated approach to the match, more careful, more self-aware. As the coach comments, each of them in the second set are employing the opposites of their usual playstyles. For Ayano, this opposite style basically starts with the trauma of Connie revealing that Uchika is her mother as well. This is where the blank-eyed Ayano begins in our series. It initiates her downward mental descent just as this final match begins to descend away from her. On the surface, it might not seem so dire. Just as she is hanging in the second set with Nagisa, she appears to be coasting along after the revelation from Connie, even improving her badminton play. But in reality, she is losing control. Control of the match and control of her mental health. Eventually, everything goes nuclear with the one-two punch of Connie's wish for them to be a family and her mother showing back up. It's unprecedented, just like being tied one set all with Nagisa, and she quickly spirals. As I mentioned, Nagisa is in a considerably better place after she finds her peace and things proceed well for her in this third set at first. In the series, this is the period where she had a variety of successes. She regained the faith of her club, 
She helped Elena keep Ayano playing. She handled the Frey girls' encounter smoothly. She supported Riko in her heartbreaking loss, and she made peace with Nozomi. She runs up quite a lead against Ayano in this third set. Everything is coming up Nagisa. And yet, it won't remain all smooth sailing. Just as the unexpected reveal that Ayano can play right-handed shakes up her confidence, the burden of her knee issues begin to encroach on her mental state, beginning with that Nozomi match. Defeating Nozomi also means that her next opponent is Ayano, and all the pent-up trauma of her defeat before begins to haunt her once more. These two stresses together disrupt the constant progress she had been making in her confidence and her overall mental health. Uncertainty begins to afflict her once again, and that same uncertainty erodes her position in the third set. Ayano will close the gap, and it becomes do or die for Nagisa. This matches up, I think, with her decision about whether to play this match at all in consideration for her knee. She doesn't need to play it to make the enter high. She could walk away with a draw, just as she could at the time that Ayano closes on her in this final set. But there is something at stake here for Nagisa. At this point in her life and the match, she is willing to sacrifice her physical well-being for her mental well-being, should it come to that. This is the right decision, choosing her inner self over her outer self. It's important that she win this match, as it represents that her emphasis on taking care of who she is is the mindset that should win. Choosing being right with herself over her badminton career is the philosophy that is victorious. On the other side of the net, though, Ayano begins in complete freefall. After Uchika returns to her life, Ayano goes from being merely dead-eyed and distant to actively lashing out at others. We spoke about this before, that people with abandonment issues will keep others at a distance so that they themselves can't be abandoned. Ayano had done this anyway, but the degree to which she ramps this up threatens to isolate her entirely. She almost seems like she's going to throw the match in her own life. And this is constantly contrasted against the success she's actually having as a badminton player during the same period. Now, just as Nagisa makes a decision in this match that represents a step in her own internal battle, Ayano's moment of clarity comes inside the match as well. The thing that stops her skid, both mentally and in the third set, is the idea of other people cheering for her, for rooting for her, that she is not as completely alone as she feels. So that we understand how strongly it affects her, it's even accompanied by some physical shifts. Her racket string breaks and must be exchanged. It's broken, she's broken, she needs something new. And then, after the outpouring of that support, she reveals that she can also play right-handed, that she can struggle in another way. Now, feeling accepted is not a magic bullet for people with abandonment issues, okay? But any disruption to the negative and self-perpetuating inner thoughts they have can be helpful. This is exactly why Ayano is so emotional about you and Sora in particular cheering her on. She knows how terrible she was to them. Being accepted by them when she intentionally kept them from being close overturns the backward thought process that the abandoned often employ. Yet, as I said, outside support is not the whole story. The battle is still within. Nagisa basically voices this for us just after the crowd rallies for Ayano. She points out that it's nice to have a team, but here on this court, it's just you and me. That is, in the mental battle that badminton represents, you ultimately must defeat yourself. Outside support counts for a lot, but the opponent lies within. Now, back around mid-season, I made a video where I concluded that the victory condition for Ayano in our series might not be actual victory. Instead, it would be losing 
and being okay with it. That is largely how our match plays out. But just as Nagisa winning was important because choosing her mental state over her badminton career is the healthier choice, it was equally important that Ayano lose because the way she was dealing with her trauma was wrong. Her method needed to lose. And Ayano ends up okay with that, as we will see in our very last section. So we've had three sets and a lot of progress for our two leads, but what comes after a match? A handshake, right? A cordial show of validation and acknowledgments of the struggle that each underwent. Interestingly enough, such a handshake is not shown between Nagasa and Ayano on the court. Instead, our story has a series of metaphorical handshakes. Just as badminton in general and this match in particular were really parallels to their mental struggle, the actual handshake to conclude the match is more appropriately demonstrated in the conversations each has with other people who influence that struggle. This was the payoff that was needed, and it's appropriate to use the whole second half of the finale for it. Two of these conversations are between our leads and their closest friends. The real heroes of the story are Rico and Elena, and if you want to include Connie's own turmoil, then Shiwahime goes here as well. Nagisa taking the time to make sure she and Rico are right and expressing her gratitude is just as important to her character journey as facing Ayano. She actually started to do so in episode 11 before hesitating, and when she does finally deliver, she is embarrassed to be expressing these kinds of feelings. But it's consistent with her own improved sense of self, her healthier awareness of what is going on in her own thoughts and emotions. Similarly, Ayano has a key moment with Elena. This was a long time coming for sure, and Ayano knows it. She specifically diverts their course so that she can speak to her at the playground that figures so much into their shared youth. It's not a long exchange, but it's heartfelt and emotional for them both. This is Ayano at her most honest and vulnerable point in the entire second half of the series. Elena's importance was especially obvious when it was highlighted at the end of episode 12. Ayano has all these thoughts about how she can't lose, that her only value is in her ability to win, and that she'll be abandoned again if she is not good enough. This is more of the fallout from the trauma of her mother leaving. She associated her own failing in the sport with deserving abandonment, and she is not far off in believing that her mother sees her as a badminton player first and a daughter second. But then, the immediate counterpoint shown alongside these destructive thoughts is memories of Elena. Elena doesn't care, and never has cared, about whether Ayano can win. Elena doesn't play badminton, she doesn't understand it from the inside. Ayano's value to her is a friend, not as a player. She could lose every match from now on, or never pick up a racket again, and Elena would still be her friend, still value her. She's the only one in her world that we've seen that has no association with the sport. She's only the team manager to coerce Ayano to play again. Thus, if Elena thinks Ayano is worth staying beside, then maybe Ayano can believe it as well. These memories of Elena are followed immediately by you and Sora's exchange with her in the match, the, the turning point. And I imagine it would not have had the same transformative effect without Elena's long example of true friendship that gives it legitimacy. Thirdly then, there is the short but expected handshake of sorts between Ayano and Uchika. I'm pretty satisfied with how they handled this. Ayano finally speaks her mind and rejects her mother's insinuation that everything can go back to normal. But she also doesn't react with the scorched earth, I'll abandon her approach that she mused about during her low point. Speaking her mind at all is progress. Perhaps more importantly, 
The decision to stay with the fledgling support structure she has around her suggests that she is no longer running away, but instead has an eye on her own future. She refers to this decision as her starting line. Not an end, a beginning. The work is still in front of her, and she knows it. This is promising to her long-term mental health. It will probably also be healthy for Ayano to have a much longer conversation with her mother about how she was wronged, but Ayano cannot realistically jump from here to there in the space of a day. This idea of a future confrontation is actually summed up nicely when she tells her mother that they should play sometime. There is also a good chance she can establish a friendship with Connie apart from her situation with her mother. We get a shot of her new keychain to let us know that Connie and Ayano have met up again since their day at the Weiwei Park, and it must have gone well for that gift to have succeeded. She is rejecting them living together as a family, but she's not rejecting Connie. And as I've pointed out before, their behavior around each other when Uchika is not the subject matter suggests that they could be friends. I imagine such an eventual development could be good for both of them. They can each relate to the pitfalls of having such a mother. Finally, there is an encounter between Ayano and Nagisa after Nagisa leaves the hospital. Each of them gives the other a little ribbing, and we can tell that it's good-natured. It is neither the vitriol that Ayano is using to push others away, nor the overreaction that sometimes arose from Nagisa's self-confidence problems. Each is in a far better place than they were at the beginning of the series, and each benefited from having the other push them at various points throughout. Now, I think it's important to stress this whole succession of conversations with other people in the denouement because therapy and taking care of your mental health isn't just about you. It's one of the best things you can do for the other people in your life. Thus, showing Ayano and Nagisa repairing and strengthening the positive relationships that surround them is the real payoff for their journey. This match they played against one another and against themselves. There's one final scene after the updated credits, Ayano and Nagisa meeting at the crack of dawn to practice for the upcoming Inter High. Just as the battle for one's inner peace is never over, their work and training and practice isn't over. There will always be a next match, a next Inter High, a next trauma or setback. Like Ayano said, this is a start line. The struggle for one's mental health does not have an end point. Nagisa said earlier that she doesn't know if she has the talent for badminton, but she'll probably keep playing it forever. To ensure they never go back to who they were before, each of them has to keep getting back on the court. They have to keep picking up their racket. They have to keep fighting the person on the other side of the net. Title music by Russell J. Crowe, other music licensed from the artists at Audio Jungle. Script, performance, and editing by Theta. Theta is played by Redacted. Original video can be found at youtube.com slash C slash Nearly on Red. And a full list of credits is available at nearlyonred.com. Until next time, thanks for everything.